Welcome to another edition of the Marketing Society podcast. I'm Alastair Hall-Jones, Global Director at the Marketing Society, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Amelia Abel and Winnie Cheng from Kantar. Today, we're going to be discussing growth and how brands are focusing on being meaningfully different with their customer experience and analytics. But before we get into the conversation, Amelia, Winnie, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background. And Amelia, I'll come to you first. Hi, Alastair. Thank you for hosting us. So I'm fairly new to Kantar, having joined at the end of May. Um, I work in customer strategy and insights within our customer experience team. So we help clients understand their customers by designing and enacting measurement and research, defining a customer experience strategy, and helping to activate their organization to create differentiated and signature experiences. We also help clients understand the interplay between brand and customer experience. So previously, I've worked in a mix of industry and consulting roles, uh, including running customer experience for a telco company helping clients in a range of different sectors as a customer and digital strategy consultant and in marketing for a publishing company. And the thing that drives me is knowing we can make a real difference to customers' lives through empathy and customer centricity. Cool. And I'm Winnie. So I look after our commercial strategy for the analytics practice here at Kantar, which means that we help our clients in a range of things from getting digital insight from the billions of search and social signals out there to digital strategy, to helping clients maximize their marketing ROI, and also monitoring them through clever use of data strategy. And prior to my current role, what I do is I worked with a range of clients in various sectors, including financial services, telcos, airlines, hospitality, and retail. And a lot of the time of the work that I've been doing has been helping clients to kind of understand and plan for their brand strategies and customer experience strategies as well. Um, for example, there was one project where I had to go and help an airline identify, you know, how best to improve their customer experience. And I almost interviewed a Spice Girls um, in their <laughs> airport lounge. So that was quite an experience for myself. And what I really like about what I do is that everything then feeds into my curiosity and being able to help clients connect the dots and find those meaningful signals for our clients. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing more about some of those stories later. Um but I, I, I just want to get straight into it. I, I'd love to hear, um, you know, what is meaningfully different around customer experience that you're finding at the moment and obviously in these uncertain times? So at the moment, like, I think we're clearly in the recessionary time. So what is really helpful is for us to go back in time and look at, you know, what we've learned in the past few recessions. So um, 2008, there's the financial crisis. And then like more recently during COVID and actually we were back in, you know, uh, recessionary times. And actually what really matters is that we can see, you know, when brands do double down on customer experience, they remain more resilient. So, um, and we've also seen these data from McKinsey analysis back into the financial crisis in 2008 is that they've kind of clustered um, different brands into customer experience leaders and customer experience laggards. And what we can see is that for those who are classified as customer experience leaders, they're kind of three times more likely to return shareholder value than those in the laggards, which means that there is actually huge commercial value in, you know, doubling down on customer experience and delivering better experiences for customers. Perfect. And, and do you have any, uh, I guess, examples of those that have, you know, doubled down in, in COVID or, or some sort of examples of brands that you think are doing it really well? So I think what matters is that for brands to be very consistent, so it's not just during COVID, but also like consistently, this is their brand DNA. So thinking about a brand that has consistently been doing well and, you know, top of mind is Apple. So 
they've got customer experience and actually a very emotive customer experience hardwired into their brand DNA. So when you think about, you know, everything that they've been doing, it could be on things like, you know, their e-commerce website, it could be on their store experience, it could be their product itself. Everything itself um, is delivering on an excellent customer experience and they've done very well. And then now, you know, after I think a year or two of, you know, falling behind from Amazon, they've recovered on their kind of rank one position on Brand Z. Brilliant. Thank you. And I, I want to go back to this, uh, this phrase that I sort of mentioned earlier about being meaningfully different. You know, how are brands going about that in, in terms of their customer experience? You know, how are they truly differentiating from, from their competitors? Or, or, you know, we talk about customer experience now, not just people in your, you know, vertical that you're competing against, but just any other brands out there. How, how are people going about this differently? Yeah, of course. So um, there are two aspects I can touch on that are particularly relevant in the current climate. Uh, so firstly, it's the coherence between brand and experience. And so what that means for customers is being able to trust that their experiences will align to the brand promise. So for example, if your brand promise is centered on simplicity and clarity, but then your returns process is actually incredibly convoluted with long pages of complicated instructions and steps to follow, your customers are going to be turned off. So if the brand promise isn't evidenced in the experiences that your customers have, the brand promise just seems like empty words. Um, and to, to bring a real world example into that, so ASOS, ASOS's brand promise really centers around being digitally advanced. So enabling customers to shop from a huge choice of products wherever, whatever time in, in the day or night. So to this end, ASOS have created a really feature rich app so you can browse and shop with ease wherever you are. And their delivery and returns process is seamless. <laughs> so they were really leading the charge with their annual delivery subscription that we've now seen lots of other lots of other brands have picked up. You know that Next, obviously, one of the big online fashion retailer, another one of their big competitors. Um, so they've been enabling customers to buy their clothes online, have them delivered the next day without having to pay each time. So so you can see what they're really doing here is, is fulfilling um, their brand promise through their experiences. Um, I also want to, the second point I, I want to mention is just around consistency. Uh, so there are obviously lots of ways that a customer can experience a brand and they all bring their own different challenges and opportunities. So if a customer is experiencing a brand physically in a store, be that interacting with a member of the sales team or, or, or just being in, in, in the presence of, of the branding and, and the location or digitally. So that's obviously through a website, an app, you know, receiving an email, um, going on social media and, and seeing seeing an advert or a post, or of course over the phone and, and there are other, other touch points as well. But what we see time and again is that the brands that excel have consistency throughout the different channels and touch points. So when you're focusing on your branding, you'll obviously be looking to determine what people expect at an emotive, functional and social level. The key is then to bring this expectation to your customer experiences and to craft them in a really consistent way. This has to be broad, so it's across every channel, and also longitudinal, so it's at all points in your customer journey. So just going back to my ASOS example, everything is obviously centered around choice and ease. So if it was fantastically easy to make your purchase on the app with multiple payment methods and, and very few barriers, but then when it got to the point that you wanted to return an item, you needed to fill in some long paper form and then call up customer services, there'd be a real lack of consistency in that expectation. And I guess this is even more, you know, magnituded where customer experience these days sits across so many, you know, it isn't just a marketing uh, challenge anymore, it's a business challenge. 
Um, and, and is that why you're finding that sort of uh, organizations that have a stronger brand and, and are able to align that to their proposition and values are having more success in the customer experience space? Or are there any other advice that you would you would give around that? Yes. So I think um, so. I think one thing to mention uh, just around uh, experiences is that um, so paid media typically actually only delivers twenty five percent of all touchpoint impact on brand building. So it's actually the other touchpoints. It's actually the seventy five percent that that uh, that makes up product, so service experiences, word of mouth. So it's all those other things that are actually contributing to that three quarters, um, three quarters of that brand building, actually. So I think often what we find is that investment is a little bit inversely attributed to paid media, whereas in our research, we've actually found that it's, it's, it's skewed the other way. And it's actually the experiences um, that, that are really contributing to, to that brand building. And I think this is um, this is really important in the current climate. So obviously, customers have less disposable income at the moment. When he mentioned earlier, we're living in in uncertain and times where there's a lot of economic challenges for um, for everybody. So customers are much more discerning about about where their money's spent. Um, but what we've seen, uh, despite inflation and the cost of living biting, is that supermarket sales actually rose 2.2% in the 12 weeks leading up to the 7th of August. And this is against the backdrop of the annual average shop actually rising to fi- buy £533, which is which is a, a really big number. Uh, and what we're seeing similarly to back in, in 2008 is that customers are shopping around a lot more. So they're, they're not just buying the first thing they see, they're really trying to find, well, what, what is it that they're going to spend their money on? What's going to give them the best value? Um, and what we've seen is supermarkets have begun to expand their own label products, trading on that trust that customers have in the quality and the value that they can get in terms of a, a more affordable price. But really understanding that that brand will deliver for them. They are a trusted brand. So for example, Asda's uh, just released their, their Just Essentials line um, this summer, and it's already in 33% of customers' baskets. Fantastic. And and so would you say that sort of, um, how does that build? Is that through sort of consistency of brand, of repetition? How are uh, you know businesses and brands m- making that happen? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is through, it's through that consistency that's absolutely right and I think one of the things that, that we find I think when you mentioned earlier is around emotive consistency so it's not just the consistency the functional consistency the practical consistency but it's actually um, it, it's that real um, that, that real emotion where you recognise on, on, a, on a deep level uh, that, that that consistency is the same so it's things like the same tone of voice whether you're reading an email a product description you're chatting to an agent on live chat you're getting that same the same UX the same UI the layout, the color palette, that even the types of icons, you know, whether you're using lifestyle imagery or illustrations, these are just the small cues that give a customer that same feeling when they're dealing with your brand. And, and for them, if it feels the same, it, it, they, that trust is then maintained and that, that sense that they're dealing with, with one holistic unit rather than dealing with disparate or siloed elements. So when you use the example of Apple earlier and how its experiences are really hardwired into the fabric of Apple's DNA, and Apple does consistency brilliantly. So whenever you interact with Apple, so if you're using Apple TV or if you're standing in an Apple store or if you're on your iPhone, you see that white and that black, those clean lines and that simplicity and you feel that it's apple you feel you could recognize it um in 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 a second you don't have to go into that that system two thinking where you're you're really considering is this apple is this someone else you just know you feel it you feel it within you and and i think that's the thing that's that's really important 
Yeah, really interesting. I think one of the biggest things that we, we hear from our members at the moment is the challenge of sort of replicating it and providing that repetition in an omni, omni-channel opportunity. Um, Winnie, how are you finding that with your you know, brands? Are they struggling in some channels and others? Is it the same? How, how's that working? I think with digital is really complicated because actually being able to map it out and actually understand, you know, where's your strength? Where are people appearing? That's really important. And what we do with our digital analysis is actually like unpicking those noises. So, you know, what are people doing on Google search, say, or what are they doing on your Amazon review? Or what are they doing on, you know, social media to talk about your brand and amplify their experience? We look at all these like various kind of digital landscape to understand, you know, are there any differences? And so a lot of times what we then do is actually look into search because what we find search is that is a really, really nice source of data. It's unprompted, it's unbiased, it's actually almost like the closest thing you can have to actually uncover, you know, actual behavior. So we look into that and see, are there anything that has shifted um, in terms of, you know, what people are doing, especially when they're moving to digital. Um, so We've looked recently into the financial services sector and look at, you know, what has happened over there itself. And it's quite interesting. So if you think back, you know, how things have changed over time, you know, everybody has been talking about digitalization for many of years, um, say in the banking sector, you know, branches are closing. So how can you have a consistent level of experience there? And I think there was a paper back in 2019, you know, Bank of England even asked the question, you know, will cash die out? So there, there is lots of conversations around, you know, various touch points. Um, how can we be consistent? And so um, what we've seen actually more recently, you know, since COVID is that, um, yeah, people are looking for, you know, payments for, you know, activities online. Um, they're moving into all the digital landscape. But actually what you've seen is that, people are getting more used to certain things digitally as well. So contactless payment, a few years ago, you know, people are still kind of debating, you know, what sort of experience would that be if everything is contactless? And actually people are really, really comfortable with it now. They know and trust that particular transaction. They know nothing is going to go awry. So they're comfortable with it. And actually we've seen it in our kind of search analysis that, you know, people aren't looking for that anymore. And in fact, what they're now looking for are mobile payments. So we've seen a kind of increase around, you know, Apple Pay, Google Pay, people are looking for it a lot more. You know, how is that kind of integration of different experiences and um, integrating to their day-to-day life is going to improve their customer experience. So um, I think there's a lot around, you know, not just for your brand itself, but how do you integrate it with your consumer's life? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, you, you gave a, a couple of examples there, sort of Bank of England, but are there any other examples of organizations that you've seen that are doing this well? Um, so I think one other really interesting one um, in the past couple of years is around, you know, all the kind of shopping online. So everyone's gone, you know, um, COVID, you're at home, you now need to, you know, do a lot of payments through digital means. And so two brands that we've looked into um, is PayPal and Klarna. And so those to me is actually really interesting because when we first see it during COVID is that, you know, the volume of search interest for PayPal has really kind of shot through the roof. There's almost like, you know, 5 million searches a month in the early days of COVID. Um, but after that particular spike, you know, PayPal's kind of search interest has gone down to roughly, you know, 3 million mark. And it contrasts quite interestingly with Klarna, which is another kind of 
buy now, pay later provider. And actually, if you could have been reading the news in the past couple of years, you've seen a lot of coverage about Klarna. And actually, what has Klarna done really well is that it has, you know, integrated itself really well in terms of brand communications with um, merchants. So one example is that we can see there's nearly a thousand and three hundred percent long-term growth with Klarna Flannel. So it's done really well of, you know, having a brand partnership that makes sense to people. So that's just one aspect of, you know, seeing Klarna's kind of long-term growth. Um, but also what we've seen is that what they've done really well is appearing in places where, you know, it matters to people. So in the last two years, most people are either, you know, kind of moving out of London or, you know, moving back in. There's a lot around, you know, um, paying for household items. And what they've done is they were able to capture on to that particular interest. And for example, like what we can see in our digital analysis is that garden furniture itself as a search item, garden furniture cloner has grown by 9,000%. Whereas we don't really see this kind of, you know, pairing with PayPal. So again, it's like, how do you almost like integrate your brand into all the various touch points, including search to improve that um, particular experience? Really, really interesting. Thank you for that. And I mean, one of the things obviously with, with the challenges, I guess, of, of being online is sometimes to, tr to build that trust and credibility with your brand. Um, have you got any examples of organizations that are, are doing that well at all? I guess that plays back to what Amelia was saying around, you know, that consistency. So not just functional consistency. Are you delivering, you know, things on time online? Um, but also that emotive consistency. So one of the examples that we've seen um, of a brand that's done really well is um, Lululemon. So that's a really interesting sector in the apparel sector. So we've actually done a project for our client looking at, you know, very sports brand. How have they kind of done it? on um, the digital space. And actually, when we looked at across the landscape, um, most of these brands are very undifferentiated from an e-commerce experience perspective. So when you go to their page, when you, you know, click on you know, a product line, what you see is usually a picture of a model wearing that product or that product on its own, um, the product name, the price, and you know, various size options for you to choose from. And that's pretty much it. And that actually doesn't help you know, give a kind of almost like a signature experience for your customers. So um, what we are saying is that actually for brands, in order to do something different is not just improve on your UX. Your UX is super important, but it needs to go one step beyond that is actually having that element of consistency in telling your brand story on your e-commerce websites that is coherent with you know your various other touch points as well. And going to back to our point earlier on around meaningfully different, this is a really good way of you know distinguishing yourself to be meaningfully different. And why did I mention Lululemon is that actually when we look at all the various brands, you know, we cover you know so many brands on Brandsy, Lululemon is actually one of those that you know stood out and we termed it as you know a breakthrough brand. Um, where it has consistently outgrown the competition in the last couple of years. And what you can, when you go into their website, one thing that really stood out to me, not just from a, you know, um, the product web page per se, and going back to the point I mentioned earlier on around payment, is that actually even their payment page stood out and tell their brand story. 
So if you go to, you know, a competitor website and other brands, you know, we e-commerce website, what you see is that, you know, you, you, there's a page with lots of text around, you know, the how to's, how do you pay for your product using, say, Klarna. But actually, when you go to Lululemon's page, it tells a really nice brand story. It links in with, you know, their brand purpose. So actually, it's talking about pays your payments in the installments. So you're helping consumers think about it in a completely different way. And actually, as a consumer itself, it makes me think, oh, this is a seamless experience. It's really integrated. And um, when you think about, you know, when they start talking about various aspects of uh, their products, there is a lot of why, like they, they use their whys to tell their brand stories. Absolutely. And I guess one of the things, are, you know, I guess brands and, you know, marketers listening to this is, you know, what is the impact that you're seeing on, on really having that this brand led, you know, strong customer experience story in a way? Um, what's the impact that you're seeing for, for organizations? From a kind of e-commerce perspective, if you've got a better kind of website experience, so telling an emotive and consistent story, you've got your UX um, sorted, and also having a consistent kind of experience across your touch points. From an e-commerce perspective, what we can see is that actually it creates a longer dwell time, a much better website engagement. And usually that means, you know, people are more likely to purchase and lead to commercial returns. And taking a step back and say, actually thinking about customer experience, um, we've done a lot of what we call return on experience analysis. So, you know, if we spend a significant amount in improving your customer experience, say NPS, um, what does that mean? So, for example, we've done this for a grocery retailer. And what we've seen is that if we improve customer experience by one percentage point, we are able to see in kind of annual incremental sales by 130 million pounds. So there is a very tangible value that, you know, marketers can go back to their kind of CFO and say, if we do this well, this is the return on investment. Fantastic. So there's a few things I've really taken out from it. I think we're coming to the end of time. So I'd love just to hear maybe a bit of a roundup from you. But, you know, certainly an emotive narrative, really important, you know, a link to the brand promise, you know, and delivering that customer experience as an omni-channel, you know, repetitive consistency leads to success and ultimately will lead to, you know, NPS score growth and, and commercial success and growth. But I'd love to hear just a bit of a roundup from you and some key takeaways maybe for the listeners. Yeah, of course. Um, so to summarize, I think that the main point really is experience has a vitally important part to play, and especially during times of economic crisis and uncertainty. So having brand and experiential coherence, being consistent across channels and touch points will make your brands more resilient. Um, when consumers have less money to spend, you really want to make sure it's your brand that they choose to come back to again and again. And to do this, you need to build that trust and credibility. This will help you become more meaningfully different and can, all, can also give you that, that tangible return on investment. Um, there were obviously real challenges in creating that signature or meaningfully different experience in, in a digital environment, especially. Um, and and that's, that's definitely true for those brands which are in the process of potentially transitioning from more of a bricks and mortar to a, to a digital first landscape. Um, but just to give you a couple of, sort of top tips, which which hopefully would be helpful. Um, so firstly, it's about looking at your brand and your experiences holistically. So looking across all of the different touch points, looking to your CRM, your social, your customer service agents, your store colleagues, your website app, even your technical support team, um, and make sure that they are functionally coherent, but also emotively consistent. 
And then secondly, I think it's it's about really listening to your customers. So that means finding the right metric to measure, first of all, understanding the whys, and then acting on the feedback. And this really needs to be an always-on activity, especially, again, during this current climate where we're really on shifting sands on what works today might need to be tweaked if it's going to work for you tomorrow and for your customers, of course. Uh, And lastly, it's about finding your signature experience. So something that's authentic to your brand and aligns to your brand promise. And it's something that customers are going to be willing to pay for and, and then come back to you again and again. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for joining us today, Amelia Winnie. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone who's listening can carry the conversation online and share some thoughts and ideas with us across social channels. So keep the conversation going. But again, thank you, Amelia. Thank you, Winnie, for joining us today. Thank Thank you. you.